Hello again, ladies and gentlemen, your host for the next hour plus, Jason Dennis here from the Run the Race podcast, and we are now official. We are episode 100, so I figured to make it a little special, and uh, you know, in case you missed a few episodes along the way the last year, uh, give you kind of a best of. So this is um, some of the you know highlights from uh, the last 50 guests we've had uh, over the last uh, you know I guess it's been about 13, 14 months since we had uh, the, the 50th one, which was also kind of best of. So uh, you know some great guests, just fascinating stories about fitness, about faith, uh, just really some some great advice that could save your life and make you healthier physically, spiritually, emotionally. Uh, so some great folks that you'll hear from. About about 20 plus of them over the next uh, hour or so. And, uh, you know, I've been doing this podcast since November of 2019, uh, just before the COVID-19 pandemic broke out. The timing was was interesting, to say the least. And we've had uh, more than 27,000 plays uh, over the last couple years uh, on the podcast, different episodes. So really, I want to say thank you. I appreciate your support, listening. Uh, I consider this a ministry, a platform to, 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 again, talk about things I'm passionate about. Uh, faith in God and fitness can mean a whole lot of things, not just running, you know, working out, wrestling, playing tennis, golf, uh, you know, any kind of sport uh, or any kind of activity to really to be fit and one foot in front of the other, right? And we've had nearly 15,000 plays in the past uh, 12 months. So it's really been a great year so far for the Run the Race podcast. And you may wonder, you know, okay, so Run the Race, is this about running? Well, we do talk, uh, you know, about running usually once a month, one out of every, you know, three or four episodes, we get into some kind of running something. So if you're interested in that, you know, there's plenty of those episodes to pick from. But uh, the the name of it, Run the Race, comes um, in part, it's about running the race of life uh, in all kinds of different ways. That can mean a lot of things to a lot of different people. But it also comes from a verse in the Bible, Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. I'm going to read it all to you. Sometimes I'll just read a portion of it uh, that deals with running the race. But this is the New International Version, again, Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And this is the third verse. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So Jesus setting that example for us about how to, to run the race, not get tired, despite maybe all the obstacles and challenges and people against you and life experiences and incidents against you, that kind of thing. So, um, but we're going to get right into it uh, with our, you know, our guests and kind of splitting this up into about uh, seven or eight different chunks of, uh, you know, trios of uh, past guests that really have some amazing stories. And uh, you may have listened to a lot of these episodes. And uh, this is just a kind of a reminder, uh, some, again, best of, a, a couple minutes from, from each of these guests. And we're going to start with, uh, you know, we talked about running. Uh, this is uh, some um, men and women that have uh, run far, run often, and a kind of a marathon how-to. Maybe you're interested in running a 5K, running a marathon, 26.2 miles in the future. I know I'm trying to do all 50 states for the marathon. I'm, I'm on uh, number 18 coming up here in, 
and uh, as we march into the month of March. Um, so uh, we have the, a mom of six that has run 200 marathons, more than that now. Uh, this is Michelle Walker. Uh, she has tips for, uh, for uh, parents and, and, and runners alike, and, uh, in, and her episode's uh, been a, a great one. She talks about how you know, this marathon journey has changed her and what she's learned uh, passing on wisdom. Also have uh, Dane Talbert, who uh, his episode called French Fries and Running 500-plus Laps Around a Track Through the Pain. You know, he makes those goals for the races, and he talks about how he pushes through the pain, had a huge knot in his Achilles, that last big race. Uh, but the next person you're going to hear from is Dr. Ken Fatman. Uh, his episode, Running a Marathon um, Every Week, this this physician enjoys it and paces others. So that's actually the uh, third most popular episode since November, about 450 listens. And uh, he has some advice um, about running, some benefits from that, and also from a, a doctor's perspective as well. I don't use a foam roller. I don't stretch. Um, I eat little Debbie's. Um, Sounds good. It just, yeah, you know, um, I mean, I'm mindful of nutrition and things like that. But I think the biggest part of it is a lot of people get injured by trying to ramp up from where they are too quickly. And I've been doing this so long now that it's be kind, of, kind of become the new normal for my body. If I take a weekend off or only run a half marathon in a weekend, it just, uh, I actually stiffen up more than if I go out and do one or two marathons in a weekend. Wow. So your body is, uh, more efficient because you've done, you know, 500 plus marathons, I guess, I guess. I really think so. And it's, um, as a physician, I know that, um, we are science-based, but an awful lot of stuff in the conventional wisdom that doctors pass on to people is really opinion and not based on any sort of studies. Uh, when I was in medical school, it was taught that parents should absolutely positively always um, put children um, on their back to fall asleep, not on their stomachs. And then later on, oh no, that was wrong. They should always go on their stomach, never on their backs. And later on, that was wrong. They should be put on their sides. I think now the current teaching is let them sleep however they want to. It has nothing to do with infant death syndrome or sudden infant death syndrome it's just uh, it's a totally unrelated thing but it's just an example of um doctors assume how running must be stressful on your joints therefore you're going to blow your knees out if you run too much and that had never really actually been studied now it looks more like um joint health is a sort of a use it or lose it proposition that Mm -hmm. when you actually engage in good physical exercise that increases the blood flow to those regions to take away waste products and bring in oxygen and nutrients. And I think to some degree, um, I always feel better the more I run. I've done some reflection on what, what has changed me and what have I learned over 200 marathons. And um, the first thing is I would say, don't compare yourself to others. It's important to run your race. And uh, one of my favorite Bible verses is um, from Hebrews 12.1, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Um, It's important not to go into a marathon or um, a goal uh, comparing yourself to other people. 
I'd say that's one of my points. Um, another point is prior preparation prevents poor performance. I have used this um, saying throughout my life, even uh, when I was in school and in college, and I'm one that probably tends to over-prepare for things. And I, I uh, train very hard as far as preparing for the marathons, and um, now I'm into triathlons. So um, I am of the mindset that it's better to go and prepare. Don't skip those long runs. You know, don't cut your training short. I um, often hear uh, people say, well, it's 90% mental and 10% physical as far as finishing an endurance race. And, and I'd have to say, I disagree. It's, it's so important to show up trained. So that, that's another point I would like to express. Um, another idea that has worked for me is um, to use the last six miles to focus on other people in your life. And I often say the race begins at mile 20. It gets really hard um, to finish, as you know, those last six miles. So I often use that time to pray for other people. And I would, um, I will often take uh, each mile and um, a, use a prayer request that I've received or to pray for somebody that I know or in my family. And that kind of gets your focus off, off the pain and, and the misery and um, to place it on, on someone else and, and to communicate with God during that time. Uh, what's the why for you? Every race that I do, I, I set a goal going into that race, uh, whether it be, a goal of how fast I can go or how many miles I can go or how long I can go without water or food. And I've done that before, just see how far I can go. But this race, uh, my goal is 130 miles. It's just a, a goal that I set. Uh, and as there's really no why I would chose 130 miles. <laughs> I just kind of, the past few years, I've seen my 24-hour time go from 104 miles to 108 miles. And then at farm days um, last year, I got really bad sick, and I, I ended up running 120 miles, I think it was. Uh, and I knew from that number, being sick for that long at that race and still putting up 120 miles, I said, I, I know I can go 130-plus. So I, I just that's the number I went with, and, and that's what we went for. Wow. Um, and with something like this, I mean, you know, is it, uh, you know, you, I think I remember reading, uh, one of your kind of race recaps online, you were talking about how like, just after like mile 80, um, so you're probably, you know, um, a little more than two thirds of the way done that your Achilles or something was hurting pretty bad. So did you feel like, okay, I can continue running or <clears throat> it's just, just running through the pain at that point? When I have a goal race, the only way I'm coming out of that race is by ambulance. And that was a goal race. And I hurt. Um, and I didn't show it a whole lot out on a track. Um, but I would I would run as long as I could, as, as efficient as I could. And then I would come into the crew tent that was enclosed. And I would tell my crew, I'm like, something's wrong. And I had a huge knot on my left Achilles. So I'd come into the tent. They would roll it out, get it, do it the best they could. I'd get back out there. And when I'd get out of that tent, I was good to go. And... and 
for everybody else, but I was really hurting. Um, I would do that. I would just run as, as many miles as I could, which was probably four or five miles, and then I would come back into the crew tent. I'm like, I'm hurting again. So they would rub it back out, and we just kept doing that over and over. And I, too, like Dane, uh, enjoy French fries, some carbs before and after a big race. Our, our next uh, section of uh, great guests from the Run the Race podcast, which you can find at WTVM.com slash podcast. Listen to any of the previous 99 episodes. Uh, this is about, you know, faith and be- being an overcomer. These folks definitely overcame, and I know you have as well. Um, and so uh, uh, we have John Ebert, who is a uh, local counselor, talking about taking on mental health and marriage and alcoholism with a single stone. And uh, that's the name of his, uh, his, his ministry or his counseling service now, uh, Single Stone uh, Counseling. So he talks about how no matter how big the giant or obstacle is, you can conquer it. Uh, thanks be to God. Also have uh, Mayor Bubba Copeland from a little town called Smith Station, Alabama. He lost 100 pounds while being mayor and uh, being a pastor and fighting racism. So uh, his his episode is uh, really actually the number one episode from the last year and uh, has 700 listens and growing. People are listening to this one all the time. So he talks about the comparison trap. Um, and depression and how that leads to things when it comes to your weight gain and as he continues to, to fight for the faith. And then the next person you're going to listen to is Chaplain Neil Richardson. He went from cocaine to Christ to jail chaplain and how uh, God took uh, you know his, his three decades of addiction and really turned it around. The business got in my way. The wife got in the way. The kids got in the way. So everything that life offered was getting in the way of me and my new partner, cocaine. Hmm. So ultimately, when you read a lot in the Old Testament, you find that God's definition of an idol, well, that's what cocaine became for me. So I was worshiping an idol, and I gave my, uh, I lost all capacity. So what was the what was the moment or the you because know, we hear a lot about you have to hit a bottom and you know that bottom is different for a lot of folks sometimes it's way down there so what was this something where you just finally said god you can have this and or you know he really you know had to bring that healing through tragedy for you I had called my oldest son to wish him a happy birthday and he hung up on me and so I called my youngest son. Now, they were fairly young at the time, but I called him and I went, what's, what's going on with your big brother? He's acting all yada yada. And he went, Dad, let's be honest here. You're a drug addict. Maybe it would be better if you just went away. Mm. And, you know, your youngest kid is the one that is the last one to understand that, what an idiot you are. <laughs> <laughs> learns, it, learns it last. Yeah, he's always the one that's going, nobody's going to, he said he was... Um, so when, when Danny said that, it ripped my heart out. And I said, well, you know what? The smoke and mirrors aren't working, um, and I don't ever want to hear that again. And so I started remembering the look in the eye, and maybe you should go away. Mm. And I just said, you know what? That's it. Um, I've proven that I can't do this on my own. There is something stronger than me. And I'm going to ask him if he will and do whatever I'm told. Yeah. So, 
So yes, how, how, how did God respond to that? I mean, was it because some people say, you know, they hear God's voice. I mean, was it what what did that translate into in your life, you know, to, to get out of that addiction? So it, it, it God forced me to get humble. So he took away everything. God took 30 years of addiction and turned it into 30 years of, yeah, I've been there, I've done that, and here's what might work. Hmm. And so it became a powerful story instead of a powerfully sad story. I am a solo practitioner. We came up with the name Single Stone Counseling because the story of David in the Bible inspires me. Uh, When you go back and look at the context of that story, you had all of these men that were trained to go out and fight and protect and, and stand up for what is right. And they were being mocked and they were being intimidated. And all it took was a young shepherd boy uh, with a faith and a willingness to grab a single stone and sling it at the giant. And it changed everything. You look at uh, the history that happened from that point forward and how God used that courageous act. And, and so when I think about each of our individual situations, I think that sometimes no matter how big the giant, no matter how big the obstacle it is that we face, uh, all it takes is a single stone to change your life. And so I felt like that was uh, a very appropriate name and a very appropriate concept for yeah. a practice. And when it comes to breaking the stigma of mental health, people need to understand they're not alone. The giants that they face um, are giants that more than likely their neighbor is facing, their friend is facing, maybe a loved one has faced in the past. And no matter what it is that they're dealing with, they don't have to go through it alone. Yeah, I lost uh, 100 pounds on keto over the last year and two months. Um, I just, my blood pressure was up real high and, and I just wasn't feeling well and I was getting the afternoon lag and I said, you know, let's do something about this. And the first part of the journey is getting it started and that was the hardest part. And got rid of bread and sugars, got rid of uh, any kind of um, rice and anything like that and just really stuck with uh, greens and meat and uh, stuff and it just, the weight just started coming off. Has it been difficult in terms of being disciplined and, and not eating maybe some of the things that you really enjoyed eating uh, you know, uh, more than a year ago? Oh, absolutely. I mean, like when you have your birthday, you can't have a birthday cake. Uh, you can't have a cupcake, you know, and you're somewhere, and, you know, when I was my heaviest, uh, that was one of my weaknesses was any kind of like cakes or whatever. I had a problem not feeling good enough. You know, uh, people ask me all the time, you know, why do you do so much? How do you do so much? Well, you're the mayor, you're the this. And sometimes it just doesn't matter. I mean, what you do, you still don't feel good enough. And uh, with social media the way it is today, we, we thumb through social media and we see this person having the perfect vacation, this person looking very handsome, or this person looking very beautiful and having their life together. Their kids are all happy. No, there's no problems. And, and then it just all kind of sinks in to become reality. And you think that everybody else is having fun except you, that they're not going through the problems that you're going through. And they're not going through, the, and it, it just begins to weigh on you and sink on you. And, and then you begin to pray about it. And I'm telling you, the more you pray, the more the devil fights against you. And it just mm-hmm. kind of begins to... To, to do that, and then I had the March 3rd tornadoes, and literally you have the weight of 5,000 people on your shoulders, and especially the ones that, that, were, that were directly affected, and uh, 
it kind of comes too much and then I lost myself in food uh, and I said that, that's my comfort you know and 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 that's what I did. I just said, you know, food made me happy, and that was my, my receptors in my brain that allowed me to, to be happy about that, and it just got out of hand. And, and uh, depression is real. You know, in Smith Station, we have a high number of suicides, teen suicides. It's, a, it's an epidemic in Smith Station. And I know you, you know personally how hard we've been trying to combat that. And, and we need to have a, a, a mature talk about mental health in America and in the world. Yeah, Mayor Bubba is a, is a great guy, multitasking uh, with uh, also a grocery store manager, mayor, and pastor. So a uh, great example for all of us that, uh, that you can do it. You just got to just gotta set your sights on losing 100 pounds or whatever it is that your goal is. All right, our next group is uh, some African-American men uh, helping you get fit. Um, you know, I believe in the importance of diversity, and these men are great examples for people in their communities of, uh, you know, uh, how to get fit and, and how to eat better, how to work out, all that kind of stuff, because we're intimidated by that, you know, and that's, that, that, that can happen. So uh, back, you know, about a year ago or so, I interviewed a former teammate of Michael Jordan, who wants you on his workout team. And uh, so it was great to talk to Coach Abdul Fox, who talks about how to meet goals, how to have balance, and and motivation to go to the gym. You just got to do it, even if it's a slow start. We also talked to retired Sergeant Major, 90-year-old Eric Lynch, uh, who uh, he, he's very active, and he motivates others at the gym, reveals some of his secrets to life. And the next person... Uh, on the list here that you're about to hear from is Major Dwayne Webb. This is the third most popular episode in the last 12 months. He's an Army major who is all about fitness. That's the name of his group. And uh, he's all about fitness and nutrition, and he leads free boot camps. And he has uh, some advice if you're intimidated by working out. I hear people say that all the time that um – I have a membership at Planet Fitness or, or wherever, but I'm so lost when I go in. I don't know how to use the equipment. I don't know um, which, uh, how much weight I should lift or I don't know how fast I should put the treadmill or I just don't know. So um, people say that a lot and we use that and we take that into consideration in our No Excuses a program is we teach people the basics. We teach people how to work out without any equipment. We teach people how to work out with equipment. Um, then no matter where people are in their fitness journey, we meet them there and we help them get further. So what would your message be for people who maybe, you know, they, they want to look better, they want to feel better, they want to lose that weight, um, and, you know, they just don't have that motivation. And you're a guy who that, that's something that you feel like is a strength of yours. So how, how do you motivate somebody who just, like, says, you know, I'm just lazy. I just, I just want to sit around and watch Netflix or I you want to eat what I want and whatever else. How, how do you kind of get through to them? I tell them it's better to have a, a, a family. It's better to have someone there in the same situation as you. Um, doing it on your own and saying you're going to get up and work out when it's cold outside or when it's raining or when you just feel or feeling lazy for lack of better words it's better to have a group behind you it's better to have a family it's better to have somebody there pushing you i think you gotta you know set small goals and as you achieve those small goals the big picture can come to light at the end uh, i think you also have to have an inner peace to try to figure out balance between 
what society thinks you should look like, what you feel you should look like, and to me, just overall feeling well. And that happens through exercise, whether it's with us, whether it's with another fitness modality. The idea that you move in your body, I think, is key, you know, going into the new year and sustaining that, I think, is going to be those small victories that you achieve. And so, uh, you know, for those who maybe are intimidated by the, the gym, by uh, you know, uh, an Orange Theory fitness mm-hmm. studio, um, and maybe they've been on the couch during this uh, COVID <laughs> yes. pandemic uh, yes. or during the holidays. They've been eating a lot of food, like I have. Uh, what would what would your advice would be? Because I mean, they, you know, people are scared. They're like, I, I I don't know how to lift weights. I don't, you know, I'm I don't think I can, you know, keep up with Coach right. Fox. I think the the key is to start small increments. Whether it's a five minute walk, whether it's a, a five minute video you watch on TV, whether it's you take three minutes to doze into meditation. I think that slowly starting helps move the needle. Otherwise, you consistently can be procrastinate. Say, okay, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. So I would say start small. Uh, support system can be key. Whether you have a friend, a coworker, or a family member, someone who can take the journey with you, you it tends to have a lot more success than you're trying to do it by yourself. Big, big fan of music. Uh, in event, if you want to slowly start into something, you know, dance for 20 minutes. Okay. You know, that activity... You know, it gets the endorphins flowing. People don't realize the chemical reaction your body has to exercise. I think sometimes we all get caught up with the mirror on whether how you look, but moving for 30 minutes does a lot for your body. And I know I've I've been uh, had the opportunity to take a class with you a couple of years ago, and and uh, you know speaking of dancing, you you I know you like to have fun <laughs> when when people are going through and they're sweating and they're kind of like oh I gotta continue on this or get my heart rate up. You're you're kind of help you know helping people to to have fun right in the process. I, I don't think exercise has to be painful. Uh, I think we provide an environment where it's fun activity. Yes, you're going to work hard, but if you're doing that type of environment, the hour or the 20 minutes or the 30 minutes goes by real fast. Well, first of all, God wakes us up in the morning not to stay in the bed, to get up and move. If you don't move, you lose. That's the bottom line. Eat right, exercise, and pray to God. There you go. Three things. Three secrets to life, right? <laughs> so, I mean, do you feel like, I mean, you're, um, you know, 90 years old? I mean, do you, or do you feel a lot younger? And Because people probably say to you, man, I can't believe, you know, you, you, you seem so young. Well, again, the Bible say, I can do all things through Christ who give me the strength. He gave it to me. I use it. So what is it you do at the gym? You, you, you show up uh, kind of in the morning, not too early, uh, but you stay until like lunchtime. What, what are you usually there doing group fitness classes? Well, when I go there early in the morning, they have different classes. But I go and stay on the treadmill for about 30 minutes. From there, I go to the sauna for 30 minutes. Then I go to the class, some of them for an hour and some for 30 minutes. And these are kind of core or, or uh, weight classes? Body pump. Core, sprint, and RPM. Christ, wake you up in the morning, get off your butt and keep moving. Yeah, yeah. It's just like water going on a creek. It'll keep flowing if it keep moving, but if you block it off, guess what? It gets stagnated. Your body gets stagnated when you sit down and do nothing. And we salute you, Mr. Lynch. I, I just hope that I'm I'm that active when I'm in my 90s as well as he's 
He's been very active for, for many years at Max Fitness. Now on to uh, some music. Uh, you know, as you may know, one of my segments I do on a, you know every other episode is Stuck in My Head, where I actually sing something, if you can stand my voice. Um, <laughs> and uh, so we have some, uh, some professional musicians, very talented men that I've had on, uh, some music for fun and also music to glorify God. And so we've had several guests talking about that, and, and uh, one of those uh, being Tim Maggart, who's a local physical therapist and also a singing soldier who survived COVID with the help of music and uh, with the help of God as well. And he uh, gives us a little taste of one of his songs, American Blueprint, um, which is kind of a country and patriotic platform uh, that's uh, been listened to by a lot of folks. I also had a Christmas music extravaganza episode with a J&J uh, at Bib City Sound, and the other J being Justin Ballou. So you get to hear us sing a little, We Wish You a Merry Christmas, and we make fun of some of the lyrics there. And uh, this next uh, very talented young man, Garrett Lee, he writes and sings music to connect with you and with God. And this song, uh, this episode, had the fourth most listens in the past year, more than 350. So a lot of folks love to hear Garrett Lee talk and, and his music as well. And this is a song that uh, he wrote uh, for his wife and for him and, and talking about their marriage. I wrote this song for my wife and I. And so I, I wanted to write a song as for a reminder when marriage gets really, really tough to remember that foundation that we're built on. Wow. And so, um, yeah, so the, you know, the line in the chorus, you know, we're tough because we're built from the ground up, you know. And um, we, we, we dated early, you know. I dated her when I was 18. She was 17, and we've been together ever since. And so it's like, you know, we started from the ground up, Yeah. you know. Lovebirds in East Alabama and still living here, right? <laughs> yeah. 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 Awesome. <clears throat> All right, well, here's a piece of it. Started with nothing. Here we are now Knew there was something But didn't know how It played out When you close your eyes Just know that I'm nearby I stand behind you Whatever you do You have my love Together we'll be strong enough Yeah, we're tough Cause we're built from the ground up Seasons are changing Getting older with time Keep holding steady, we'll make it through the darkest of nights. When you close your eyes, just know that I'm nearby. I stand behind you, and whatever you do, you have my love. 
Together we'll be strong enough Yeah, we're tough Cause we're built from the ground up yeah. That's excellent, awesome I believe that, you know that verse in Revelation that says they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony? Yeah. And I truly believe that if our country would remember what God's done in our past, we can overcome a lot of what we're going through today. Sure. And they're good and bad, but um, there's a lot of good um, that's, that's happened in our country. And um, so I believe that uh, the foundation of our country is built on four pillars the strength of our faith, the strength of our families, the strength of our work ethic, and the strength of our military. And on those four pillars, we, we created the American blueprint for greatness. They lit the fire of a great idea, stood against an iron hand, a man of rebel took a shot in the dark it took what they gave to get us this far yeah blood and sweat and faith dreams anyone can chase a red white american blueprint part of a sacred land a bigger plan a red white american blueprint chase a red white american blueprint part of a sacred land a bigger plan a red white american american blood sweat and faith dreams anyone can chase a red white american blueprint part of a sacred land a bigger plan a red white american blueprint Great job, great job. Hey. Like we wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Good tidings. Good tidings we bring to you and your kin. We wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. How about oh, bring us some figgy pudding. Oh, bring us some figgy pudding. Oh, bring us some figgy pudding. Now bring some is it bring it right here or bring it right now? Some yeah, bring, bring us some, some right here. <laughs> and, then, and then we and then, won't go until we get some. We won't go until we get some. We won't go until we get some. So bring some right here. You know. So so what is figgy pudding? Is I did it, some research is it, on is this. It, uh, it's not chocolate or vanilla. It's, it is, oh, it's fig newtons or no? It's not. It's okay. actually it's it's uh. <laughs> the, the, this song is so aggressive. Like I just love the like. Aggressive. We won't go until he gets. <laughs> like all right, okay, back down a little bit. So the deal with the figgy pudding is this: I looked it up. 
It is a somewhat out of date. It's still be it's still made in the UK, uh, parts of Europe. Some people in the country, our country, make it, but rare. It's not that super common. But it it is a kind of a mince meat pie, Ooh. if you will. It's got it has got figs in it. Uh, it's got flour and sugar. It's kind of a it's kind of a fruit cake sort of consistency, like a, it's a pudding cake. Mm. Maybe bread pudding, if you were to think of it like sure, that. Sure, sure, yeah. But it's got, it uses meat fat and meat flavoring in it to sort of, uh, as the as the, the gel. It sounds very healthy. It, it's, yeah, it's probably terrible for you. You know. But, it, and, and, but like most things with meat, <laughs> sugar, and flour, it's probably delicious. I've I'm never, sure. I can't say I've ever had it. If I have, I don't have a any recollection of it. Well, maybe people are listening have, have had figgy pudding before they can let us know. Maybe so. so yeah. Like maybe you can like, yeah, like t- uh, email Jason or I and let us know like your, your figgy pudding experience. <laughs> the, the, I just, I just find this song humorous to me. Like it, because we always sing it. Like it's a good, like let's all go out with this spirited rendition of we wish you a Merry Christmas. But the song like as it develops is really like stingy. And like, I mean, Santa's not bringing them anything. They're they're being demanding. Like they want this. Yes, weird. we won't go. But then, then it we, switches we back won't. to good tidings. That's to right. You. Yes, it's like exactly. Yeah, it's like- Yeah, Justin and I had a lot of fun with that episode, and uh, he's got a, he's got a great studio here in the Columbus, Georgia area, just south of Atlanta, uh, helping a lot of different musicians, uh, you know, reach their goals and and, and uh, sound better as well. Uh, this next group of uh, former episode guests for Run the Race are some pro and Olympic athletes, a lot more talented than me on that front as well. Uh, we have a um, Glenn Davis, who is a Columbus City Councilman, but he's also you know a former Astros, Houston Astros All-Star, uh, who talked about the Braves and fitness and service. This was a World Series edition before the Atlanta Braves, a few you know days or a week before they actually won the World Series. Congrats to my Braves. Uh, so we talked to, uh, to Glenn Davis about the importance of winning and some changes to Major League Baseball. We also have MVP quarterback uh, who learned from losing the Arena Football Championship. Mason Espinosa uh, talks about you know the semi-pro league, learning strengths and weaknesses from failures, things that we can all learn and get to know because we all fail, we all fall short at times, and so uh, how can you learn from that and grow from that? But, uh, but next up is First Lieutenant Amber English, who shot her way to Olympic gold. The Army officer, her, her, le- her you know, lesson for us, her motto for us is don't quit. She talks about what it was like you know, having the mental strength for what she did uh, and, and inspiring other women, but also what it was like winning that gold medal in Tokyo. It's always been a lifelong dream of mine, and I really did think that I could accomplish it. I just had to really set up a a very good training environment, and, you know, this has been a long time coming, so I'm super, you know, happy that I I was able to, like, put it all together at at one moment. Yeah, what, uh, you know, were you, um, you know, really nervous going in, or because of so much that you practiced years of doing this, that you were calm when you were competing in that, you know, 60 shots? Yeah, I uh, thought I knew what match pressure was uh, before until I stepped on that stage and I felt stuff that I've never felt before. So I knew, you know, I was going to win this match from my training and I trained very, very hard. And I said, you know, if my B game shows up, it'll be enough to survive. How do you go to that place where you're like, you know, 
you're shooting so much or you're like on that big stage like Tokyo, um, is there something that you draw inspiration from or something that you kind of think about that gets you kind of chilled out? You know, I just, I just realized that I've put the work and time into this. And if I focus on the process and what it takes to break the next target, one target at a time, if I focus on the process, then the outcome will be, you know, a success. It's really easy to get wrapped up into, oh, I want to, I want to place one, you know, top three, or I want to make this Olympic team or whatever, but it, it really comes down to the process of each shot. And if you focus on that, it'll, it'll work out. And, you know, being um, a, a female from America winning gold, um, you, you know, become kind of, you know, the face of the U.S. Army marksmanship team and, and the, you know, a, a face of the Olympics. Um, so does that for you, you know, do you hope that it inspires other women um, that are, you know, whether it be shooters or anything else that, they, listen, you can, you know, you can do anything if you put your you know, work in it. Yeah, I do. I do hope to be an inspiration to some people, especially not to quit and to keep going and, and like I said earlier, if you have a passion to, you know, not necessarily listen to everybody else, but just follow your heart and keep going. You, you know, 10 years in the major leagues, I think 16 total in, in pro ball and some overseas. Um, and you have some postseason experience yourself. I, you know, I think back, you know, in the uh, National League Championship Series, 1986, I think your best season, you hit a home run um, in the postseason versus uh, the great Dwight Gooden. So, mm -hmm. I mean, what's that like for you as a player? I mean, you're, you know, this is uh, – what uh you know 30 40 years later and you're watching yeah. these guys you know in these pressure situations so what's that like being there you know you're 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 you know in in the batter's box i mean is that just are you um just so much going on or you just try to calm yourself down and, and be there well um you know when i look at it as a whole again i i really feel fortunate that uh, sometimes i have to pinch myself you know and and ask myself, do I really do it? I mean, I'm sitting here looking at one of the, uh, on my wall here, one of the championship teams that I played for and the guys that signed it. I mean, these guys, all my friends, good, good guys, good teammates. I mean, we were truly, uh, when I played the game, especially in Houston, I don't think uh, when I was there that even in the minor leagues, uh, we always won. We always, you know, winning to me is, if you win at one game over 500, you're a winner. Okay. So you're winning, even though you may not be the top team, but you still got a winning record. And we always had winning. We knew how to win the game. We knew how to play the game. We played it right. We played uh, good pitching. Yeah. We didn't have a lot of power hitting besides myself, but uh, that's kind of changed over the years. And they're not playing in that big carnivorous Astrodome that, uh, that they used to. I mean, to make it to three, you know, championship games out of four years in a professional football league is no joke. And then the fourth year, they even made the playoffs. So, I mean, that that's that's a that's a feat in itself. Obviously, you wish you had one of those uh, titles for sure. But you know, I, I just think it speaks to the character and the uh, you know the, the organization of of how tough minded, how hard nosed they are to realize that uh, you know, no matter at the end of the day, doesn't matter the year, doesn't matter the opponents, doesn't matter the teams. We're going to be right there at the end, battling for a championship. And I know it's, you know, it's all about wins and losses and that's what you kind of play for and work so hard for year after year. But, you know, for the folks that are listening to this podcast, a lot of people have been, you know, knocked down in life. It doesn't have to be sports, just life in general and kind of getting back up again. And, and so what can you, you know, say to the folks that are listening about, you know, what does losing teach you? I mean, even though you, you want to come out, you want to be, hold the trophy up at the end of the season, but, you know, losing in 2017, like you did. And then again, just, 
a few days ago. What what does that teach you or what, what does that help you learn as, as a person and, a, and as a quarterback? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, obviously the championship game was, was a little bit tougher, but I think losing in general, I, I think, you know, I've heard it before, losing is, the, you know, kind of the great teacher. It shows you your weaknesses, shows you your flaws, shows you where you can improve. Uh, I think for me it's, it's you know, shows a lot of uh, – kind of forces humility upon you because in the sense you're either going to go one of two ways. You're either going to take it as ego hit and you're going to kind of fold up shop and, and go home and, and never try to attain that success again. Or uh, you're going to take a step back. You're going to have a little humble pie and realize, okay, well, where did we go wrong? What was the weakness? What was, you know, my part in this? How could I improve? How could I have been better? You know? Uh, and, and I think that's really, you know, in football, and, but also in life too, you know, there's, there's, always times where, uh, you know, something doesn't go your way, you don't get the job you want, you know, or, or, you know, you have to move out of your house, whatever it is, uh, you know, kind of take a step back. It's like, okay, well, what's my role in this? What's my ownership in this? How can I improve? And the next time this comes about, you know, how can I change it and make it better? And his Columbus Lions are about to start another season uh, with – Coach uh, Jason Gibson, who's also a, a former guest about a year and a half, two years ago on this podcast. And speaking of former guests, we have some duos, some pairs that are showing the love and talking about God and family and things that are important to us here on this uh, Run the Race podcast. Uh, we have an ultra couple, ultra running couple that took on, is taking on cancer and also uh, really long races. In fact, uh, Kevin Randolph ran 453 miles in a dome that he talked about on episode number 62. Him and Annie Randolph uh, joined me for the podcast after I ran one of their races since they're uh, race directors and uh, talks about, you know, her sudden cancer diagnosis um, from this, you know, this mom and taking one step at a time and how they support each other and grow closer to God through uh, this crisis that they're dealing with still. So we continue to pray for them. We also have uh, pastors Dennis and Brad Lacey, father and son, both pastors, talk about parenting and being the church, their legacy of faith from a preacher's kid to now working together uh, on, on at the same church on staff together. Um, and next up, uh, two of my favorite people of all time. I just had them on episode number 98 uh, a few weeks ago, Pastor Ron and Suzanne Cox. Uh, they are they have an incredible love story, broken lives used by God. And, and they uh, kind of tell their story, you'll hear in the next three minutes, uh, of how God placed them together after they went through so much and how God you know, fills those blank spaces that can happen in our lives. Ron began to talk about being on a servant leadership team that meets once a month and prays over the city of Birmingham that God would break down racial barriers and denominational barriers and make our city a light on the hill. It was like suddenly the Lord reminded me of that scripture. Her husband is respected at the city gate where he takes his seat among the elders of the land. And he said, Suzanne, that man's going to be your husband. Wow. So, you know, there he, there he was. And I said, but Lord, I mean, he's got beautiful girls and a church that loves him. What if they, all the fears and the insecurities of my past came flooding in? What if they find out who I really was? What if there's skeletons in my closet that, and all the what ifs and all the fears and, um, it was like the Holy Spirit just brushed that away and said, Suzanne, this is 
not about your works. This is about my grace. And um, that man's going to be your husband. And I said, well, okay, but who's going to tell him? (laughs) (laughs) And speaking of that, I'm a a nonprofit organization. (laughs) She's a nonprofit organization. (laughs) Does this happen pretty quick in terms of you guys getting engaged? Ron, tell me about how you wrote, picked, swept her off of her feet, I guess. <laughs> well, I, I, I'll be honest with you. that uh, That's one of those things. It wasn't really uh, uh, trying to get a hold of ground and make things happen. It was like God just took it, didn't he? He did. And he did happen. Yeah. It was not even any... Uh, uh, it, it, it's, it's, it's strange, uh, Jason. Sometimes we look at life and things are not going well. And we wonder, how could God be in that? But I've, I've discovered something, Jason. I, in fact, here's a pen right here. I'd be writing along on the story of my life. We live in a day of leadership now. Uh, everybody has, you know, they take this. If you get this particular system of how to build the church, you can build it. So you go to leadership meetings and you write out. And so you write the story of your life. And God does want you to have your pen and help and write out. But you know, there was times in my life, Jason, where my pen ran out of ink and I beat it down on the table. And I said, I don't, I can't figure this out. I just can't figure it out any. And I beat it, but there was no ink. And then I'd have to stand back and look at the blank spaces where I wrote and now it's blank. I'd write that it's blank. I found something, Jason, that when my pen ran out of ink, God would always take his pen Mm. in the inkwell of his own precious blood. And then he'd write in my blank spaces. I tell you what she is to me. It's where God wrote in my blank spaces. Wow. I mean, her life, the greatest things God has ever done for me in ministry or life has been in my blank spaces, not in what I wrote. A week out from chemo, you feel really rough. There's a lot of nausea. There's just a lot of exhaustion. Um, I had to be on a medication that causes your bone to produce white blood cells because the chemo knocks your blood cell count down so low and it causes some pretty intense bone pain. Um, So all of that kind of It would be very easy to just be like, I'm going through a lot right now. I'm going to give up running for a while. But from the beginning, the oncologist did encourage me to continue running and just said, you know, survival rates are higher for patients that stay active during treatment. So um, Jerome, our friend that that passed away, who always hashtag one mile at a time, I thought a lot about him during this and um, not just with running, but also with the treatment process, just to take one step at a time, because if you think about the whole thing, it can feel very, very overwhelming. But when I just look at the thing that's right in front of me and try to just handle one thing at a time, um, that's a lot easier to manage. You know, running, um, especially trail running and ultra running, patience is a big part of it. Being a spouse, just in general patience, but, you know, going through this and being like, you know, the supporter, the caregiver, that kind of thing. What's it been like for you? Um, I'm, you know, it's tough because, you know, you don't know what your role is exactly. So all I can do is what I know to do. Um, and I'm an optimistic person. I'm always hopeful. I always think things are going to get better. And uh, 
you're going to make me cry. Uh, so I do feel like my job has been to try to help. She can handle the physical part. There's no doubt. Like she's tough as nails with, I watched her run cruel jewel hundred and she can get through any of that. It's the mental part that I try to keep her positive and keep her head in the right place. And, you know, just know that, uh, things are going to be better. And yes, I would have been the typical uh, punk preacher's kid, right? So growing up, my parents never put any pressure on me. Like, oh, you better do what we do. And it's the family business. And we're going to pass it down to you. Uh, That was really never a thing. In fact, I would say I took the opposite track. Like the last thing I'll ever do is work for my dad. Why? Because everybody's going to go. He just gave me this job because, you know, of who my dad is. I'm not qualified, right? Identical (laughs) of what I said about (laughs) my dad. I'll never, I said, I'll never be a preacher and I would never work for my dad. So I spent 10 years doing uh, student ministry, uh, working as a missionary. And uh, so it took about 10 years of doing ministry, just trying to feel out what God has for me. and then it took, yeah, probably about 10 years for my heart to soften up a little bit. And then I felt the Holy Spirit saying to me one day, uh, hey, you need to go help your dad out. Wow. And so it's interesting. My call to ministry was de- different than my call to help my dad, even though they're both ministry positions. So I was like, well, you know, hey, God, does what does dad need help with? And I remember when uh, I went to uh, Georgia Southern University and uh, I had really never heard him preach. It was early on in his ministry. And I, I showed up for some reason that night uh, and, and kind of sat in the back. And he, he, he stood up and started preaching. And it was, uh, it was an emotional moment for me. I was like, wow. I had no idea. I mean, he, he delivered the goods. Uh, that's incredible. Good content, good delivery. And it was interesting because the national director of our college ministry was there. Well, I'm old school, and I thought, well, you invite him to preach. He's ahead of everything. And I said to Brad right before the meeting, are you going to have him preach? And Brad goes, no, I'm going to preach. And I'm thinking, <laughs> wait, what are you? And I was like, afterwards, I went, wow, he's a much better preacher than the other guy. I've heard the other different, guy. Different generations. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he just, he just really connected. And so I would say with godly pride. Yeah, Pastor Dennis and Brad, who I actually went to Israel with a decade ago. Hard to believe it's been that long, but uh, two great examples, um, you know, bringing a legacy of faith uh, to not only their families, but throughout our community and throughout Georgia and, and beyond, for that matter. Uh, now to some uh, some different sports that we don't always talk about, but I think it's interesting uh, nonetheless, for sure. This is uh, this section is kind of wrestling, extreme cycling, um, doing things on the mat and on the bike. Um, and and uh, we have uh, Hen Oi, a high school and college classmate of mine, who uh, is an Asian-American that fled Cambodia when he was very young. And he's taken the path to wrestling and cycling and wrestling where he's a coach and cycling. He does things all over the world and nation. Uh, he talks about escaping deadly violence in Cambodia when he was just two years old and and God really preparing him for what was to come next, uh, dealing with, you know, things with, with wrestling and biking. And uh, speaking of bicycling, Al Ahuya, a coach and a an, an Army hero who uh, went to, to war for us, it talks about this triathlon coach who uh, led not only in combat but also on cycling adventures. He, he talks about uh, how, uh, you know, he has advice 
for uh, if you're uh, you know maybe new to bicycling or, or more than an amateur. It's what he tells people as a coach in terms of accountability and mentoring and teaching. We can all learn from Coach Al. And next up is pro wrestler Jerry Oates, who uh, who went 40 years in the ring, and that included uh, wrestling with his brother against Victor the Bear. They was going to bring the bear to the mall. They was having some big event and all. So they told, he told them he knew us. And so they got in touch with us. So we come out there on that Saturday afternoon, like at 3 o'clock, and wrestle a bear. And I said, yeah, we'll do it. Then I told my brother later, I said, Saturday we're going to the mall. He said, I don't need anything at the mall. I said, yeah, you do. We're going to wrestle a bear. Victor <laughs> was his name. Victor. <laughs> he wow. said, all right. So we go out there, and the place is packed. I said, oh my God! This is at the mall in Columbus, yes. just south of Atlanta. They had the ring set up, and uh, he said, "Okay." He said, "Which one of you guys want to start?" My brother said, "I'll start with him." <laughs> now this is our hometown, right? <laughs> so my brother gets out there, and he's got a muzzle on him, but still, it's a bear. He weighed like four fifty. Whoa! And so uh, he back. Had him back in the corner, had him on a leash, and he asked my brother, so are you ready? He said, yeah, I'm ready. So he turned him loose. So he charged my brother. My brother got behind him, and the bear reached back and gave him a flying mare, just like we do. <laughs> just pulled him up? And then he was on top of him, and it was over. Wow. You can't do anything with a wild animal. He's kind of trained, but still a bear. Yeah. And so... The handler come and got him and took him off my brother. And he, my brother comes out of the ring. I said, you just made a fool out of us right here in our hometown, man. He said, let's see what you can do with him. Ooh, your turn. Uh, it's my turn. And I got this plan what I'm going to do with this bear, right? I've been thinking about it. <laughs> so he's got him back on the leash, and he backs him in the corner. I'm in the middle of the ring, right? I'm ready for him. So he said, you ready? I said, turn him loose. Well, he turned him loose, and he charged me. I mean, he didn't come just walk it. He charged me. I guess he saw my brother was so easy. I'm going to take him on out quick, too. So, And as I saw him coming, I said to myself, this is a bear. <laughs> so I backed in the opposite corner, waiting on him, and he got kept charging and got right, right to me, and he reared up. And when he came down, he hit me over my left eye, and this big, huge golf ball-sized knot came over my eye. Wow. Now I got one eye. <laughs> so I push his leg up and go out and get back in the middle of the ring. I'm not going to run now because I can't stand another lick to the head. So he comes at me. He put a paw like in my belly and grabbed my leg and took me down, just like a wrestler would. And he was on me and it was over. Wow. I mean, were you worried about, um, you know, the fact that uh, you worried about the, maybe getting, you know, severely injured or even killed by, uh, by a bear? Or is that... Uh, well, I, I I figured, you know, I'd never wrestle them, but, but their skin moves, you know. They're real furry, and their skin will move. What I was going to do, what I wanted to do, when he when I saw him coming at me, and then I changed my mind later, but I saw him coming, I was going to front face lock him, you know. But I thought about that on the way out there, and I'm thinking, this thing can stand up with me. Yeah. And I'm above him now. I mean, he could have thrown me out on the concrete or it's a bear. He's three times as big as oh, you yeah, weight-wise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's just, 
I wouldn't do it again. <laughs> like you said, that gratefulness that, you know, God allowed, you know, you to, to, you know, escape harm there. Yeah. Um, you know, my, when I look back, I just see God's hand in everything um, there. And um, I, I really do think that there, there is a purpose. Um, I, I think we all have a purpose, but um, I, I think God chose me for a reason. And um, I'm just trying, I don't know exactly what that reason is. I'm just trying to um, be the best servant I can be. I'm trying to live the best life for others that I can um, and just give back in, in a way that um, kind of shows my gratitude just for this opportunity at life here. Your purpose is to mold these young men and women into amazing wrestlers, right? <laughs> part of your purpose. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I think that is part of my purpose and that, you know, that, that is in a sense my ministry is just spending every day with kids and trying to be a good example and teach them how to um, be good um, servants to each other in the community. God's been looking after me. Um, and I think partly wrestling has helped um, because it teaches you how to fall and land. And um, I, I have taken a lot of falls um, on my mountain bike, including one last week, not a big one, but I you know, definitely wiped out last week also. And I have come away with scratches, with sticks in my face um, and um, bruises and things like that. But nothing major, nothing dislocated, nothing broken, and so I've been, um, I've been very blessed in that sense. There. I mean, you're coaching people now with triathlons, and and obviously cycling being one of those aspects. You know, for people that are just casual riders, and they say, you know, I want to take it up to the next level. Um, you know, how does that going to require a lot more time in terms of training, or what does it require a better bike, perhaps? Or? Yeah, I mean, equipment's always going to be uh, important, and the more competitive you get, uh, and the more you're trying to get marginal gains, the more equipment will be a factor. But uh, as a coach, the most important thing is is consistency. I always tell people when they come to me, say, I don't have any pixie dust to sprinkle on you to make you this great athlete. You're going to make yourself the great athlete that you want to be by being consistent. Um, and training programs, you know, I, I obviously provide training programs, but it's what I really do is provide accountability and I try to do a little bit of teaching, uh, a little bit of coaching, a little bit of mentoring and, and, and get them on the path that, that will get them towards being what I call your, the best version of yourself. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I try to, you know, be, give them advice on what equipment to buy, but I said, you know, you, Everybody wants to spend money in an effort to buy speed, but really the speed comes right from, from each individual consistently training, um, you know, and, and getting passionate about the goals that you have set for yourself and, and being committed to those goals. And that will, that will get you improvement every single day, more so than spending $10,000 to buy some fancy bike that, you know, that you still need an engine to, to move forward. <laughs> and Coach Al, you know, he, he did that interview with me just uh, a few days or a week after he did a 270-mile bike ride across Georgia where he, if you go back to, to that episode uh, you know, and, and listen to a little bit of uh, what Coach Al had to say, uh, you'll hear him uh, talk about and on episode 69 
about you know hallucinating a little bit on that uh, that trip across the Peach State as well. Uh, now to our our final segment of past guests in this best of number one hundred episode of Run the Race. Uh, we have uh, tackling some big issues. War, abortion, and addiction. These are big issues that we've tackled. We, we, we don't stray away from the, the controversial for sure. And uh, we have um, Rob Morgan, who, who got sober and lost 100 pounds. He credits Christ and, and, and now fights COVID and injuries. He's dealt with a lot of injuries and a lot of uh, health issues over the last year, but uh, still looks to God and glorifies him. We also have abortion survivor Melissa Oden, who on episode 84 uh, now really fights for life, and she's called by God to do that, uh, really uh, does not shy away with talk, talking about this controversial issue. And uh, who you're going to hear from next is a true Army hero, war soul survivor, uh, telling the story of three wise men. That's the name of their book they came out with uh, a couple years ago, or about a year and a half ago. It's called Three Wise Men. I highly recommend it. This is retired Marine Sergeant Bo Wise, who joined me along with his co-author to talk about some of their experiences overseas, and he lost two brothers uh, while in war. He was in his fourth deployment as well uh, to Falk province, Afghanistan, or at least that's where he was at the time. And he was breaching a cave and he was shot multiple times in you know, the chest, legs, and groin and, and fought for six days as, uh, you know, even when the amputations were up to the hip, fighting for every breath. But unfortunately, um, he succumbed to his wounds on January 15th, uh, nine years ago today, actually. Wow. Uh, the level of, of sacrifice, um, not just in the fact that uh, Ben and Jeremy uh, were tragically killed, but the more than 1,600 combined days that Ben, Bo, and Jeremy spent in combat and the almost 10 years that spanned the war on terror where a wise brother was in theater at virtually any time over that decade-long period. So I think... Uh, Readers can expect something very unique, very emotional, and also very patriotic. Absolutely, yeah. I'm Absolutely. looking forward to reading it myself. And and Bo, you know this uh, this podcast is focused on fitness and faith, and obviously, you know, uh, you know, as and being in the army, you know, being fit's very important. But also, you know, uh, you grew up uh, with a, a deeply Christian mom. I read about in in the beginning of the book. It talks about how she said, "Lord, please protect my three sons." She would say that prayer over you guys when when you were younger. So, how has faith played a role in your military career, and also, you know, coping with the loss of your brothers? It's absolutely crucial. And, you know, I, I, I think that you can probably tell, you know, uh, the, the way that the book's written, that I kind of deviated in and out for, uh, of my faith for a long time and struggled with a lot of things and depression and otherwise. And earlier on, you know, it, you can also get the sense that it was a narcissistic, you know, uh, when I was young and, you know, just, uh, but, you know, you, you find it in the dark places, you know, when you, you know, when it all fades, and that's that's when it's been absolutely crucial for me, and being married to the right woman, woman and surrounding yourself with the right people and the right friends, and uh, you know, there's people of every faith in in the uh, Marine Corps, Navy, Army, Air Force, um, but you know, uh, you, you can't be unequally yoked. So you know, surrounding yourself with those Christian people, doing things like Ben was doing in, in Iraq and Afghanistan, and having Bible studies, that that's just absolutely fundamental, I believe. And, uh, you know, 
taking uh, taking the right steps and having that good daily diet. My birth mother as a college student was forced to have this saline infusion abortion. And like so many women, um, it was my birth mother's family who was responsible for forcing that abortion on her. Uh, she had family members that offered to let her live with them. You know, my, my birth parents were engaged. They would have married and parented me if they had been given that quote unquote choice, but they weren't given any other choice. She was forced into a hospital and this salt, toxic salt solution was delivered uh, into her belly, which then led into the amniotic fluid surrounding me in the womb. And I soaked in this toxic salt solution for five days. Mm. It should have poisoned and scalded me to death. Uh, but when they finally induced Ruth's labor, that's my birth mother, um, they learned that the abortion had not succeeded in ending my life. And some people say, well, can you be a Christian and, and believe and be you know, pro-choice and, and believe in abortion? So where do you fall on that in terms of how you know, um, spiritual faith relates to this issue of abortion that, that you're so, you know, um, you know, your life is centered around. It's really um, heartbreaking for me that the church has not taken a bolder stand when it comes to abortion, to be perfectly honest. Uh, when we know statistically that the women sitting in our church pews, they're in our congregations, these are women who are having abortions. And so I think it should cause all of us to look at our own church and at our families and say, uh, what are we doing here, folks? You know, what are the words that we're speaking? What are the actions that we're taking? Uh, this is not a political issue. This is a heart issue. And God spared my life. I mean, I am forever grateful for that. But every single one of us are made in the image and likeness of God. One day I was doing all that stuff and eating all that crap, and then the next day, nothing. And, and so that's kind of where that started. I immediately lost, I think, within the first week, uh, almost 10 pounds, but a lot of that was water weight, yeah. you know, because um, I started sweating a little bit and started doing some things like that. So, so. you're cutting out, like, what, soda, bread, pasta? Everything, all, the, all, all of it, every bit of it. <laughs> I wouldn't eat, uh, you know, uh, yeah, none of that. I mean, I've OD'd, uh, I've almost died. You know, I've been shot at, you know, I've been in jail uh, 30 years. It was terrible. Um, and, of course, now looking back on it and what he's delivered me from, from all of that uh, up to today, uh, that's another reason I hang on because he delivered me from all that. You know, I celebrated 12 years of sobriety this year. I mean, 12 years, no drugs. No, I don't have any desire for that. He's totally taken that away from me. You know, Jesus still said there's going to be trouble, you know, just because you got delivered from drugs and all that stuff, there's still going to be problems. Um, but good Lord, I mean, he actually saved, I mean, he saved my life, literally. And the one thing, you know, Revelation twelve eleven says they overcome by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. That's the one thing that somebody can never take away from you. You know personally what God has done for you, and that is such a powerful, powerful tool in the kingdom to be able to share that with somebody. So, look, I know, I know, you can't, you can't, uh, you can't take it and say, well, this is what probably what really happened. No, no, bro, I know it happened because I was there, and Jesus did this for me, and He can do it for you.
And once again, I appreciate you sticking around for the last hour plus, uh, listening to this. Uh, some of the, the great folks that we've talked to over the last year plus. Uh, again, this is episode 100. I, I really am just humbled to be able to continue doing this and, and giving you content that we hopefully you know entertains you, educates you, and inspires you, motivates you to, to get stronger physically, mentally, spiritually, because uh, we all want to be better people. And we're in the midst of you know this COVID pandemic that we hope or really pray that is in endemic soon. We're praying for the people in Ukraine as the, the fighting continues with Russia's invasion, praying for our nation uh, as we deal with just uh, economic issues, health issues, and just, uh, you know, and, and, and again, I just want to thank you for listening because you there's a ton of choices out there for podcasts. And I wanted to read, I had a couple of recent pre, uh, you know, reviews. In fact, if you go to, we're on Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher. If you go to Apple, in the bottom of the Run the Race page, there's a little place where you can give five stars if you like this podcast. And that this is going to help us keep going. And you write a little review, just a sentence or two, just whatever you think about it. Uh, you can be specific or not, whatever. We have C. Wiggins 41 uh, last month wrote, Jason does a great job interviewing many people about their life experiences. Testimonies are a way God builds us up and motivates us. These podcasts are being used as a tool to reach people and build up faith Keep it up, brother. And also, B. McKenzie last month as well said, this podcast This podcast is one of my favorite podcasts to listen to. Every time I listen, it's always edifying, encouraging, and uplifting. So grateful. And I'm grateful for you guys as well and uh, for, for listening, for uh, writing a review. And uh, we're going we're gonna to keep this going, uh, you know, continuing to, to run the race of life. And I'm closing in prayer now. Dear God, just uh, thank you for this opportunity to talk about you, lift you up. And uh, to just uh, help folks, you know, with whatever they're dealing with, whatever obstacles they're facing, their giants in their life, that uh, we can have some fun, take a break, and uh, learn how to how to be fit, uh, not only physically but also spiritually, and look to you as our number one guide for strength, uh, for for guidance, for knowing what to do and how to do it as uh, we uh, run this race of life. Uh, as best we can. In your name we pray. Amen. Again, uh, thank you so much uh, for joining us. Episode 100. Man, it just sounds sounds weird saying that, but uh, again, uh, it's been great, a great ride, and, we're, and you know, it's not done yet, folks. We're going to keep on going. If you have any suggestions, you can send them to jdennis at wtvm.com. We're going to have some great guests coming up talking faith and fitness over the next few weeks and months as we continue on in 2022. And I hope you have a great rest of your day and week. God bless.